0: Welcome to Spinning Out, I'm your host Josh Robbins. This is a podcast where we talk to guests about their favorite albums. Today we're talking with Susan Plant of the band Faye. We talked about Ween's 1992 album Pure Guava. We also talked about the idea of purposeful dissonance, making mistakes on purpose, and about back in the 90s and how certain things don't always age that well. Faye released her debut album on August 12th through Self-Aware Records. Check it out wherever you stream music and pick up a copy of the record on vinyl or CD. It was great catching up. We did this chat in person, so if it sounds a little different, that's why. And if you hear any extra noises, probably my dog. Don't forget to check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com spinningoutpod. My co-host Sarah and I, we listen to records we liked a lot when we were younger and revisit them as much older and jaded individuals. You can subscribe for as little as $1 a month or more, and you'll get an exclusive episode every week. Honestly, you don't want to miss out, so please subscribe. Follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram, at SpinningOutPod. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, leave a comment, and I hear reviews definitely help. Okay, no more delays. Let's chat with Susan. Hey Susan, how's it going?
1: pretty good. How
0: are you? Uh good. I always like start these off by like saying what day of the week it is. I think I did that on the last one, so I'm now doing that again. So It's,
1: it's a Monday. Oh no. It sucks.
0: Um but okay, so we are talking about Ween's album Pure Guava from 1992 that was released November 10th, 1992. And it came out on Electro Records and it was produced by the band uh, this was their third album. And what I'll ask is, when was the first time you heard Ween or this album?
1: Okay. The first time I heard Ween was a song off of this album. And it it was from Beavis and Butthead. Um, they had an episode where they made fun of Push the Little Daisies. And I was probably, I don't know, 13. And it was just so fucking weird. And it just, I don't know, it was just something completely different. And I remember buying the CD and the whole CD was just completely unlike anything I'd ever heard before. So it was just kind of like different, funny, you know, teenage kids.
0: Uh, what do you feel like you were listening to before that point? Or like at the, at that point, when you first heard Ween, what else were you listening to?
1: That's a good question. Um uh they might be giants was kind of a family thing i think you had someone else on the pod do that and it was really kind of entertaining to hear someone else admit that because it does feel kind of like outing yourself as a big dork Mm -hmm. but
0: and this isn't
1: i know it kind of is but it feels like a natural progression into like no it's cool they make fart jokes i don't know um and a lot of inappropriate stuff but i'm sure we'll dive into that um but just uh, I, I listened to They Might Be Giants and then Ween and then I don't remember very much until I was like sixteen and started like really getting more into music. Um, so probably just a lot of like top forty stuff to be honest.
0: Hmm. Um, what do you feel like you remember? Like what? It, what was it about like They Might Be Giants? Because it, it's probably like whatever. Whatever hooked you for them, yeah, is the same thing that hooked you for Ween.
1: They Might Be Giants was kind of passed down by my older brother and sister because um, they listened to it, and then it's just kind of playful and just quirky. And Ween was playful and quirky in a darker way, so it just kind of felt like a natural progression as I got older to move to that.
0: Yeah, did that lead you into liking things like pavement or whatnot?
1: Yeah pavement um i'm gonna totally blank on any other example um i listen
0: to a lot of weird stuff um there's like a weird pipeline with Ween. it's like i feel like and i know this is kind of jumping ahead because this isn't where they were at this point but there's this idea of it's kind of like wherever they decided to go they could have ended up Landing more on like a pavement side, or they could have landed wh- where I feel like they are now. The zeitgeist is like uh, almost a jam band.
1: Yeah, because they got yeah. hooked in with Fish, I think.
0: Yeah, that and like Fish has like happened. Covered them a bunch of times. That's
1: what it was. Fish yeah. covered one of their songs, which like yeah, Fish fans were just like ah, zombies for that stuff.
0: Yeah. So, but you're not like someone that's super into. I guess like shredding on guitar.
1: I hate shredding yeah, on guitar. You know that.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> well, I, okay. Oh, and yeah, that's me, not that's specific not where they shredding. Are.
1: It's a very specific type of shredding. Yeah. So I, I will say that. I don't know if
0: but they didn't really show a lot of that at this point.
1: No, no. This sounded like seriously like two thirteen-year-old kids and you know a fucking eight-track yeah having yeah, yeah. fun and i think that's what appealed to me at the time
0: yeah i feel like when listening to it now i'm like i don't even know how you would make something sound this like fucked up i guess like just running things through tape machines and kind of like turning pitch shifters and stuff so yeah i'm like how i, I just kind of personally think i'm like how would i even like get like garage band or you know anything right, to, to like get that. do these kind of things because i can't get these kind of like natural tones that's more of like a recording thing where i I get kind of obsessed with that like how are they even doing this and i think a lot of the answer must have been like tape machine do
1: you think so in listening back to this album do you think that they purposefully just like there's a lot of like cut ups and laughter and stuff during it do you think they did that on purpose or do you think it was just the take they got i was really trying to figure it out because there's like a couple of songs where they just crack up at the end
0: um I think that there was this strange thing. I think a lot of these people were coming from punk aesthetic, but they weren't technically punks, or at least like it was already so warped at this point. Because like they formed in, I believe, like nineteen eighty four, and this is their third record. But I believe like their first record came out in like eight ninety. I think, I think it was like
1: the... eighty nine or ninety. Yeah, yeah.
0: and because uh, like. The one before this, I'm blanking on the name of the the pod. Yeah, Uh, that came out in '90, I believe. Okay. And so you sent me the Weenology,
1: (laughs) that deep dive. Yeah.
0: And it it was like when it was, I knew it was short when I got into it, but I felt like for some reason, like when it was over, I was like, that felt like five minutes long. Like it just, and it's also like, (laughs) but it also felt perfect for the band. Like it was like really
1: was.
0: It it just kind of was like whenever they even like talk about kind of where they grew up it feels like uh i don't know why i'm thinking of it this way i mean there's more local references almost like growing up in matthews like in charlotte yeah like growing up but it almost makes me think of like a new england village like where they lived in pennsylvania yeah feels like the most villagey type place kind of towny feeling a little
1: bit yeah for sure i totally agree
0: this is the most towny like lo-fi band ever
1: I feel like they've
0: probably, because I think that was just like a fan
1: made that maybe.
0: I would assume it almost has like the feeling of like, I think the person got like a grade on it for college or something (laughs) or high school, (laughs) you know, but like like, it's not poorly made per se. It's just,
1: I'm sure they've watched it. I'm sure they've watched it and they probably fucking love it. Yeah. I mean,
0: it's like by saying it feels amateurish, it also feels like everything ween was about and like right. the best ways because i think that's almost like the elements that bands around the time like even like sabado were taking from punk is just simply the idea of being able to do it yourself right like and it wasn't but well, that had to be like such a weird time to grow up because it's like i guess you probably were by because a lot of these guys like i feel like when i talk to them one-on-one like anytime like i've talked to like mac from super Chunk or mm-hmm. uh lou barlow from Sebado, like If you kind of mention, like, an early 80s hardcore band that only put out a 7-inch, they are like, transfixed. Like, that is the best calling. Like, if you want to get someone of that era to, like, be able to talk to you. Yeah. Talk about, like, avoid 7-inch or something. Like, some (laughs) kind of thing. Because they just light up about it. But then when you think about, like, the music they created, you're, like, it doesn't seem to, like completely line up you know
1: but it's like they're trying to achieve that in their own way yeah they just it's like
0: they were people well actually there was another video i watched about uh dean ween i get them kind of mixed up which one is michael
1: (laughs) honestly i have no idea i think
0: oh dean is michael
1: dean Um, all right
0: dean is dean is the bigger one and
1: gene is the one one that does most of the singing i think and dean is like more of the for lack of a better term, shreddy guitarist. Yeah,
0: because I think, like, though they both kind of got into playing guitar, like, I feel like any of the time you saw any shredding, yeah. except for, well, I don't, I don't, I'll stay on the one, Okay. Uh-huh. Um, but there was a, uh, like, a Vice video, like, Noisy Vice, uh, where it was just like a, how do you play this one Dean, or this one Ween song, and... Which uh, song was it? I can't remember. It wasn't on this record, I don't believe. Uh, Probably
1: not. Nothing on this record is like... No. That, how that, do that, you play... It's, yeah.
0: Yeah. It was like... So they were... Actually, I think it was, it was on Chocolate and Cheese. Okay. Uh, which I did listen to a bunch before. Because we, yeah. we were kind of like... I guess behind They're... the curtain. Yeah. As one listening. We were like kind of pushing a few records. Really yeah. the two of these. Like Pure Guava and Chocolate and Cheese. Right. Like, really like... Which one do we pick? Right. And so a lot of this probably would be almost like a conversation about both of them or Ween as a whole. Yeah. So it was a song off of uh, Chocolate and Cheese, but I kind of just wanted to get a feel for these people. <laughs> yeah. And there was a thing in it um, where, because that was the first album that they recorded in like an official studio. Because right. even with this, even with Pure Guava, you know, with it saying produced by Ween, a lot of the still, did when you listen to it, you can tell like just tapes they already yeah. had and i think they probably did that guided by voices saying where they just like sent it to someone to mix it and master it yeah than they had ever had
1: was it this was their first one on electro
0: or no i believe this was the, you know i think they probably had things like re put out like the pod uh might have been but i don't believe that it was like a major label release uh, this is well second so it was by Shimmy Disc is who put it out
1: oh okay so, but
0: actually the same Andrew Weiss um, who I believe yeah he's worked with them a lot Um, he did oh damn Andrew Weiss has done so much stuff with the band and also played in I believe Andrew played in uh, yeah he played in Rollins band as well cause he's like a New Jersey guy
1: that's right and they yeah. like did a tour with? Didn't they do a tour with Rollins' band? Yeah, like
0: Henry Rollins. There's like videos online. Like Rollins was like always preaching the gospel.
1: Yeah, like which is you know, so weird that yeah. they turned into like this fish fandom mm-hmm. band, but they had like both go anyway.
0: Well, there's like that flyer like early on uh, when they were definitely still doing like the you know the two of them and like a drum machine. Yeah. That's when, that flyer I sent you, uh, Fugazi with Ween. Yeah. And I know there was another tour around, probably that same time. I don't think it was the same lineup, but it was like Sebado with Ween, or Sebado with uh, Fugazi. such cool yeah. shows. Uh, but I know that those Ween shows were definitely still with like a drum machine. And they would kind of like taunt the audience <laughs> and things and kind of like make fun of they uh, were like... Fugazi fans for being too serious.
1: I just wonder if they were kind of just like, I don't know. In watching the Weenology video, it was like, it's kind of like watching this weird performance artist version of being a band. Yeah. Like, I don't know how seriously they took it ever. It's a weird thing. But they're so good at when they, when they decide like, we're going to write a song that sounds like this. It's like a little funny, sometimes inappropriate, which...
0: But (laughs) there's a lot of of
1: inappropriateness in re-listening to a lot of this. But it's like they're paying homage kind of to to different artists and they do it really well. It's kind of annoying how good they are at it.
0: Well, there was this weird thing that I feel like a lot of bands were doing where it was like the humor at times to me feels like you're almost scared to actually say a thing. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's like I know that this is a band that is funny you know it's like i wouldn't per se call them a joke band but it's like uh, obvious obviously the humor is there
1: yeah
0: like but sometimes that also annoys me about them like you know it's like just say the thing and i think like they've kind of like got into being that more they're just like kind of more serious dudes because i think like the reason that people do this when they're younger a lot of times is they're like afraid that they can like shred or something like I feel like these are two dudes especially Dean yeah like he knows how to play guitar yeah and I think he's almost like he's a it's like you kind of couch it in being bad because you almost don't want people to know you're good this irony thing
1: especially with kind of what you were talking about earlier around that time was the whole like kind of diy aesthetic so why you would want to i would think early 90s you would want to sound as far from like shredding like mm-hmm. you know hair metal type of guitar sound like i'm sure he probably learned how to shred watching like hair metal bands yeah i
0: think that's like a strange thing Like even when you get into uh like i feel weezer is a lot different obviously but even like when they they first both started, start with w yeah uh but i think like whenever they both started like it's like rivers made a conscious effort to like not be metal guy anymore to okay. start a weezer and i i it would make sense if every all of these dudes of this generation knew how to shred because that's basically the bulk of the music they were listening to yeah so like it's like even with pavement it's like you can't help but yeah. have that in your dna because it's like you grew up listening to yeah who knows, White Snake or something, you know, <laughs> probably something before that, I, I bet. But, you know, like they had those kind of like they were in the thrash and then they were like, oh, we're kind of like pushing against it. But you can't help but like know all these scales.
1: Yeah. And yeah. then you get older and then you're just like, nah, screw it. Like, yeah. I'm going to re-embrace it.
0: Yeah. He was talking about, uh Dean was talking about like basically he was in a elevator with his dad as a kid. And he saw Dickie Betts from Almond Brothers, and his dad was, like, freaking out because it was Dickie Betts. How the could not? Guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he said he remembered him, like, the way he put it, he was like, he was a scarier dude to see in person than, like, Sonny Berger, which is, like, the head of Hell's Angels. Yeah. Which I think is, like, yeah. a funny yeah. reference to make now. Like, what did that, the video was, like, 2010 or something. I was like, what does this mean to anyone under, like, yeah. a certain age, <laughs> you know? But he was like, he just looked like he didn't sleep and he kind of looked green, you know? Mm -hmm. But it was just like, it was just like we were, we were with like the greatest guitar player in the world for like 10 seconds, you know? But he's talking about, the reason he kind of also brought him up was the kind of the point of the video was to show you two solos from like this one song. Yeah. And he was like, I really only know two solos and they're basically both Allman Brothers solos. And Eh. I just like redo the scale to (laughs) repurpose it to be a ween. it's like the
1: shapes man yeah that's that's what how i learned guitar box and triangle
0: yeah i mean that's kind (laughs) of like so much of what it is and people try and overcomplicate i think that's also what's fun about this era of music because i think a lot of the kind of like hard rock bands metal bands like they want they kind of wanted that mystique and i think a lot of the this era bands like you know punk you know yeah. but as they were like they were like rocker dudes yeah. they loved the idea of like breaking all of that down and just like we're a bunch of nerds you know
1: well and it, a lot of like the music prior to DIY stuff to me felt like they felt the need to fill up every little bit of space in the song with something like mm-hmm. drum fills or guitar solos or whatever and then you had bands like The Breeders, which I know we're not discussing The Breeders. I don't know why I didn't choose The Breeders either. Um, who like left so much space in between mm-hmm. and a lot of the yeah. DIY punk bands would leave that space in between. And it's just like... It's the best. It's, like, it's my favorite thing when musicians can pull it off. Because that, to me, that's harder to pull off to, like, step away and be, like, all right, this is good enough. Don't add anything else to it.
0: It's, it's like, the hardest thing. Like, even with, like, writing my own music that's not, like, technically for my bands, like, mm-hmm. I always feel like, I'm oh, I got to put something there because I can't leave it bare. It just feels weird. But, like, anytime I'm, like, writing music uh, with a band, I'm, like, I'll oh, take take more out yeah it's like when I'm left to my own devices I'm like
1: because you can pick at it because it's yours it's not you're not hitting any sort of deadline so you just pick at it and pick at it and pick at it until you've just like I mean I've done that with plenty of songs to where like towards the end of that process it's like I have to scrap the entire thing because it's just I can't get back to the true sense of what it was it's just I've overwrought the entire thing
0: yeah it's Interesting because I think, like, sometimes when I listen to, like, early Allman Brothers or even, like, the first Dickie Betts record, um, I think in our minds we think that it's so full of, like, every space is filled up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so, like, we kind of, you know, we as a collective, we, like, rock people. Right. And especially now after, like, the loudness wars with CDs and stuff and, like, the way mixes are. Yeah. Yeah we think that they put everything in it but when you kind of go back and examine those records like it kind of makes sense that someone like dean ween was influenced by that because like when you listen to like the live almond brothers record yeah there's a lot of people yeah but they all know how to like lay back yeah in in my opinion but also i think that a big impact for any of these bands that don't really get mentioned because i think like history has kind of like changed the context so much uh for a lot of like hardcore punk bands u2 was like a huge influence yeah and i would imagine early u2 is
1: really good it
0: is that's amazing um but i think like it's not it's not the touchstone that it used to be but there was a point where i feel like that was like a sonic influence to like so many bands that must have even if accidentally you know come into bands like ween even though that seems like no, so but there's if it,
1: there's a line there. I wonder, I wonder what makes bands like that fall out of popularity, and if it's if they just keep on going and don't yeah. like you know, like I listen to The Police a lot, and they're kind of hit or miss with people. Either people are like, no, they were a really good band, or when I was younger, I listened to them, or they're just. I think they're. I think they've fallen out of favor too. People don't. They were. I think they were a pretty influential band for people. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I I think so. I mean, it, I think it's really is that bands kind of go too long, but I but it was also interesting is I feel like there are certain bands that we just kind of continue liking in some way. And that's like a strange thing. You know, it's like I feel like Rolling Stones has always kind of been like popular. You know, like in some way. Like even when you think back to like kind of the what I would consider, like, their bad era, eras, like, what, like, bridges to Babylon or over Babylon, whatever that, like, 88 tour or <laughs> I was going to
1: say late 80s.
0: Like, those are huge tours, you know? Like, it's...
1: And it was kind of fitting with the time because everything around then was in excess. Not in excess, but in excess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, But the, the, like, the Rolling Stones or, like, David Bowie... They mm-hmm. didn't try and like completely redefine themselves. They just were doing, it's like they do it for creative sake almost instead mm-hmm. of sometimes I don't, and I don't know if this is um, me putting my own spin on it, but sometimes it just, you almost feel like you can tell when a band is just going through the motions to make a paycheck kind of, you know, Yeah. yeah. you could just tell like, Oh, they're just putting out this. I mean, come on, the U2 freaking, iPhone thing that was yeah. pretty obvious power yeah. grab right there uh
0: yeah i don't know i wonder though it's like i don't know i actually i'm gonna tell this random ween story that doesn't really have anything to do with. we ween.
1: should we're supposed to be talking about ween shit <laughs> yeah um
0: so okay because somewhere i was just thinking of like kind of where bands get and then kind of like that thing where like it's like ween broke up and then they were each doing like their own project and there was Dean Ween band. Yeah. So.
1: Which was pretty much just Ween. Yeah, it was pretty much
0: just Ween. Um. So there was a show that Late Bloomer got offered in Charlotte. And do you remember when this happened? No, but I swear okay. to
1: God, I'm going to be so mad.
0: So, okay. So <laughs> basically we got we got a message from a venue and they were like, oh, can you play with this band? And we're like, we don't know who that band is. And they were like, um, they opened for Dean Ween last time. The place was, you know, sold out. Okay. And we were like, uh, uh, all right. I mean, like, <laughs> you like, you are like, and so we were like, I'm not really sure. But so then we were kind of like, how much money can we get? We never had right. that conversation. Like, right. You know, it's kind of like, oh, we'll be there usually. Yeah. But it was like, I don't know about this. And they were like, they were kind of like, trust me, it's going to be good. This ba-. There was a packed house last yeah. time. And we played it. There were two paying people or at least two people in the oh. audience and essentially it's like it's not really to the fault of the band that played it right. was like the venue was like
1: overselling
0: because they were like oh well we had a good show and this band opened for dean Ween, and i think they were like friends with them but they were like basically a richmond local band okay you know but yeah. they were like they were older than me so they yeah. were probably guys that knew them for a long time you know and so I was like, hey, why don't you do these, like, couple shows with us, you know? But that's, like, all it was. And I've been that band for Yeah, yeah, people. yeah. But it was just so funny that, like, yeah, I just, that's what I think. Sometimes when I think of Dean Ween, I think of that kind of story. I and thought you
1: were going to say, Late Bloomer got asked to open for the Dean Ween band. Oh, that, and I was about doubt. to end this and just, like, leave and be without like, I'm it, done.
0: There would be no <laughs> question of, like, that would be a show where it would be, like, just, we'll be there. I yeah. Mean, like, How could to... you
1: not? Oh my then, gosh. Then
0: I'd be like, oh, I guess I should have mentioned something about money. But, you know, <laughs> but it would like, without a doubt, like yeah. Dean Ween or, uh, Aaron, was it Aaron Freeman's band? is called like Freeman. Is that what it's called?
1: I don't know. So Aaron Freeman is Gene Ween, right?
0: Uh, yeah. Gene And
1: Wien. I heard, have you heard any of his newer stuff? One of it, like one of his songs showed up in my Spotify, like, uh, I think like 2020 the year of the pandemic. And it's like a really somber, depressing song. But it was good, but it's like about sobriety because he's sober now. He got sober. Like that was why they broke up. Mm-hmm. I read the gossip. I know. I'm in When know.
0: did they break up? Was it like... I think it's like 20...
1: 2005, 2006.
0: Oh, okay, okay. Because uh, it was right after...
1: No, it actually was later than that. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Because like they put, put back out in tw- 2005. Yeah, I think you're right. Because what,
0: like, Mollusk came out in, like, 2005 yeah. or something like
1: that. I think they're back together now.
0: Yeah, they Fully. Did. They reformed. Um, which, of course, they did. Yeah. You know, it's like they can't stay away from each other. But also, I it's, you know, even, like, when we, I think about, like I guess, Rolling Stones again, they never went away. Like, no. even with Ween, it's like... Uh, We'll say 12 years. I think they reformed probably in like 2019 or something. Yeah. Maybe 2020. But it was
1: less of a breakup and more of a hiatus, I think.
0: Yeah. And so I think like people probably had like time to miss them. Um, You know, I don't know.
1: It's weird. It does feel like. So, kind of like we talked about earlier, Ween was yet another band that I didn't really go around bragging about that I liked growing up because it felt kind of like. I don't know, not a cool thing. But again, I'm older now. I don't give a shit. Yeah. And it's been funny because I've been listening to a lot of ween for this. And like every time I share a ween song or whatever, the amount of, it's usually guys that just reach out and they're like, oh shit. Yeah. Ween. I love ween. I'm like, oh, this makes me so happy. It's like they're having a little moment again.
0: What do you, if you were to make like a caricature of who that person is, do you feel like they're one type of person?
1: that likes ween yeah. no okay. I don't I really so it don't it is
0: like kind of all across the spectrum
1: I do think I did go to a ween show and so that this this plus stuff I've read is the only thing I can go
0: so just one the one ween show just the one ween okay. show
1: so these are the only things I'm going by to mm-hmm. say my next statement but I feel like more so guys like ween than women I don't yeah. think a lot of women like
0: ween Um, I'm trying to... It's like, okay, when you say that, I'm like, yeah, of course. But then I'm like, but why is that? Why do I even go, yes? You know?
1: I mean, this album is like... The reason that I discovered it on Beavis and Butthead is very telling. Like, just from the beginning. You know what I mean? They're just like... It's like teenage boys doing fart jokes.
0: Do you think, then, do you think, like, They Might Be Giants might have, like, a more well-rounded fan base they might be giants to me
1: is more of the npr fan base where ween is a little less so a little bit a little bit rougher around the edges
0: i don't know they're almost that's completely (laughs) they're almost probably the same person but it's like I don't know. All I can think of is there's, I mean, I don't know. The show hasn't aged well, but all I, well, this probably hasn't aged well, so I'll bring no. up this reference. Uh, so do you remember that show, The Man Show? Yes. So there was a thing, Adam Kroll is like a huge piece of shit now, but like. I
1: mean, he was then too. Yeah. Now, now we really know. So
0: we're talking about all the time. Yeah. And like, so the, one of the jokes on the show, they would always go into like a hardware store. Yeah. And he would like talk to hardware dudes like. And one time he like went up to this guy that was like, what, working there? And he was like, you look like Chuck Norris if instead of martial arts, he got into hard drugs. It's like what <laughs> he said to the guy. And that was a joke. And I think about that. But also when I, th- when you sit, th- it's like, it's almost like the type of person that likes They Might Be Giants is the same personality.
1: That likes the into, man show?
0: No, that got into, <laughs> that instead got into drugs. Uh,
1: wait ween is that
0: ween is that okay it's Got it. it's the same personality yes. type yes but they yes. just were like and you know not even absolutely. like harmful absolutely absolutely
1: best that is the best Fun drugs way. <laughs>
0: probably but you know that
1: is the best description no probably a little across the board
0: it depends where your journey goes. yeah yeah <laughs> and whatever that's fine you know that whatever. i mean because <laughs> it's, <laughs> so it's, it's like some of the same jokes but it's just like it's darker. It's, yeah, it's it's more warped. You know, yeah. I mean, there's things, like, actually in this record that's, like, rrr, rrr, kind of things. Oh, man,
1: know? I love it.
0: But it's like if you were to just take, like, uh, Constant Constantinople but put, like, a Pitch It Up or something, you know? Like, Istanbul, con- to, know, like, just kind of pitch it up and down throughout the song. That's, like, what, the difference of Wayne with They Might Be Giants.
1: I recently re-listened to They Might Be Giants, and it was fine and it was fun, but I did not, like get reacquainted on like such a love level with them that I did with Ween re-listening to yeah, all these I, albums.
0: Yeah, saying that it's like some of the same it does feel like it's like when they're crafting a song, I feel like there's a lot of the same tenets there. But I love what they're doing on Pure Guava where they're like playing with like the pitch shifting and Yeah, there's like a that. lot of terrible
1: it... songs on this album. Like <laughs> yeah. just like dumb songs. But there are like there are like songs on this album that like on later albums like Quebec where you're like oh okay I see where they're going and then like I mean Quebec is I think their greatest album but what do
0: you you think they're doing different here than they are Quebec because I didn't spend a lot of time with that before you answer it I feel like one of my friends one time I was like I'm not it's probably like five years ago now I was like our last time um, I think I heard a ween song and I was like, I like ween. <laughs> and then, and then I was like, can you, it was actually Kyle Emotron. I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. cause he's a huge ween fan. That tracks. <laughs> and he, he was, I was like, make me a playlist. And he's like, Oh, I have playlist. He, oh, has, yeah, like, yeah, he yeah. has like five or six playlists. And he's like, what playlist do you think you want? Okay. You know? And then I was like, give me the like, nor. give me like, I'm just getting into it. Right. And I, like, really liked that one because it was a good smattering. Like, some of the stuff, more of the, uh, I think, a lot of the more straightforward songs.
1: Yeah, and Quebec is a lot of the straightforward stuff. Yeah, I guess stuff.
0: that's, so do you feel like production-wise, they start I think it's more,
1: instrumenta- more instrumentation. That's kind of
0: when they start shredding and stuff?
1: I think so. Okay. Well, I mean, that, no, they start shredding a little bit in chocolate and cheese. You can hear, yeah. if you listen to all of them, you hear the progression of them. It's almost like. I wonder if like the first couple of albums are like, yeah, this is fun. Let's just see where this goes. And then it was like, oh shit, people are paying attention. We have to be a little more serious. Like just, you start taking yourself a little more seriously with your art when anyone gives you any sort of attention.
0: Yeah, I mean, too, like, I think the idea of like what your live show is probably obviously like changes kind of like how you make records too because in a sense, like I feel like you make records – like I still make records with the idea that I have to play a twenty five minute set. Like most of the time. <laughs> but if you get to a point where people are expecting you to play for like two yeah, hours, yeah. then your record could I have be a an panic hour.
1: attack. What? <laughs> you're,
0: oh. Like, you're, yeah, well like, your record could be an hour. You yeah. know, or you can stretch out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so when they were still like opening for Fugazi, it's like let's just make it weird for oh, thirty yeah. minutes or yeah. something. Yeah. You know? So they I They were would probably imagine.
1: such a fun opener band for a show like that I don't know that had to be a trip to be at
0: when do you think at what point in their career do you think you saw them live
1: <sighs> I was trying to think about this I think it was probably it was definitely after chocolate and cheese came out do you have you don't have that year do you I don't know what year that was it was before Quebec so it it's probably like 2000. Is Chocolate what and thinking. Cheese
0: is after the, the record after this. So Yeah.
1: I think I want to say 2000. 2000.
0: Okay. Yeah. And Chocolate and Cheese, I think, was like, actually, it was uh, 94, I believe.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 94 and
0: 95. Because they were putting out records pretty steadily. Yeah. Like yeah. Around this time. Frame.
1: It was definitely 2000. Because it was right before I um, moved. So, yeah. Yeah,
0: actually, okay, so The Oneness came out in 1990, and The Pod, 91, this record, 92, Chocolate and Cheese, 94.
1: Okay, yeah. Yeah. And? Virginia Beach, baby. Oh, okay.
0: (laughs) That is, I feel like that's the best place to see them. I also feel like Charlotte probably is like a secret, really strong place. Yeah. Yeah. Because Charlotte really seems to like, like, even on a local level, like, I feel like if you're a little, like, weird. Yeah. Then people tend to like you more.
1: Isn't that lovely?
0: I mean, it, I guess it is if you. It works play in weird. my favor. <laughs> like, you know, but, like, I, I feel like a lot of things that people like, it's like, I don't know, like, Don Tallins comes to mind. Yeah, this, or yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Like, uh, patois. You know, it's like these bands, you know, they're even, like, local, kind of, like, loved if they're not, like, the biggest band in the world, but I feel like people revere them in some ways, you know?
1: It's kind of appreciating the art the art aspect of music uh, yeah. instead of just the performance aspect. It's yeah,
0: I feel like from my experience, when bands are kind of like, this is the thing that we do, like just straightforward kind of rock band. Yeah. If they're huge, if they're huge, you know, they're going to get... But yeah. like on a kind of local or level or small venue level, that's yeah. not technically what... That might go to Raleigh first, you know? I
1: could... I could never be that. I I couldn't be in a band
0: like that. <laughs> yeah. I
1: don't know. Um, but yeah, 2000 was when I saw them, and I got to go backstage.
0: Backstage. Yeah. How did that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, well, again, as I said, there were not a lot of women in oh, so the they were audience. Like,
0: Get her. No,
1: we were. It was Went me of, and yeah. two of my. We were college girls, and it was three college girls screaming for them to play one song that is inappropriately titled that i'm not gonna say
0: that was it from chocolate and cheese or no
1: it wasn't i was i thought it was i think it's from the pod um it's their prince cover so if you know ween you know you know the the prince version it's not their prince cover but it's their prince song so we were screaming for them to play that because we were obnoxious yeah i mean i feel like teenage girls being funny and then it was like come backstage and then we were the worst groupies ever because we were just like hi and then we left
0: yeah, I remember I had a friend. I, we went to see Guar, and his girlfriend was essentially summoned by someone in Guar, and then yeah, went back with Guar. Yeah. And we never really spoke of it because we weren't going to be like
1: You guys didn't go?
0: No, she Oh, didn't.
1: one of my one, one of my college friends is like him my boyfriend come too.
0: Did so he did. came
1: back with us too. I think it was just extremely disappointing.
0: Oh, so they were really just like
1: And it was just genuine. Like, it was just him (laughs) sitting, talking to Uh, us, asking us if we were old enough to drink. It was probably pretty wasted.
0: There was... So, I was... With watching, like, the videos of it, there's also a video of them, like, on um, 120 Minutes, like, the MTV show, where they were hosting it.
1: Really? Yeah.
0: I'm going to look this up. And it was... I mean intentionally so so it's like when I say it was really awkward it's like of course it was yeah and they had this thing going on for uh, Dean's voice where his voice had like an echo on it the whole time and you know and then they would like go now here's a Jayhawk song yeah and they didn't they didn't show the clips they like cut that out that might have been like that person edited it for YouTube kind of thing
1: yeah
0: but then at the end they're like we're gonna perform live at the end and then they did uh, they did Spirit of 76 I think that's the name of the song great song yeah yeah but I also saw, like, another late-night performance of them doing Spirit of 76, and uh, Jean is just wearing a dashiki outfit. Yeah, That's, and those kind of things. But like, that
1: was, like, man... Yeah. Back in the 90s. Back
0: in the 90s.
1: A lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of bad decisions made. I
0: wonder, like... I don't know. I try and, like, think back of that time frame, and I was definitely like that. <laughs> <laughs> like whatever that is, I'm not saying i'm a i'm it's like to anyone listening like I don't know if why I really need to put it this way. It's like I was of that gender I mean I'm younger than them, but i'm yeah. like, I was of that way of thinking that was yeah. just textbook comedy at the,
1: yeah, point. you know, a lot like, of horrible comedy,
0: yeah, and it's like I feel like it took like a long time for me to be like longer than I feel like some of my peers, you know,
1: I feel like it took a long time for the entire.
0: I mean... It's not like things are technically better. They're
1: not, but... You know, but the, like, there's... Oh, no, there's still... There's still really inappropriate, horrible comedy happening.
0: But it was now. a weird thing, because, like... I feel like if you were to talk to any... I don't know why I think this. I don't really have any way to know otherwise. But when I think of Dean and Gene, I don't think that they said any of this stuff that they say in any of these songs with any malice.
1: I tried so hard to find any interview with them discussing that like any like any just explanation and I did see a lot of stuff that's like which is really uncomfortable where they're like no they have a gay guy in their band it's like they have a black guy in their band and yeah it's that's like, what
0: was funny about oh! it, well, I mean, funny and the worst way to watch it when they're playing Spirit of 76 yeah. the drummer is you know a black guy and he's just wearing a full dashiki thing Yeah, and I think just kind of it was it's not like that was like the norm but i think like it was almost a comedic norm so much that like you think they were trying to push the boundaries just to push them but i don't even I, i don't even know if that was i think it would have obviously been like visually funny or visually alarming but i don't feel like it was technically pushing the boundaries And a lot of respects that we would think about it now. It was almost just like that boy, you know, that guy looks silly. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, it's just, you look silly.
1: Well, and a lot of the, like, in the, a lot of the Pure Guava songs, in re-listening to it, you know, I don't, I didn't realize how many of the lyrics I remember. You know, when you put on an album you haven't listened to in decades, you're like, holy shit, I know all the lyrics of all these songs. And then I had those moments where I was singing along, and then I was like, oh, oh. They just, like, dropped the F-slur out of nowhere. There it is. Didn't even think about it. Where, unfortunately, back then, that was less of a, like, red flag, kind of. Mm -hmm. Like you are saying, like, back then, that's where comedy kind of was. I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's, sometimes I try and think about, like, because there's... I don't know. There's like, you know, the kind of like Riot girl scene and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But I'm like, so I guess they wouldn't have liked this stuff going on. There's like bands like Spitboy mm-hmm. and things that were like pretty, very political. So it's like, how did they view things like yeah. Ween? Like, I, I can't really get like a read on it. And like, I almost wish I could just like come across like zines of the time that yeah. might have been kind of criticizing it because... You know, they were a major label band. Yeah. And so it's like they would have been criticized on that standpoint. But I'm not sure if punks would really criticize them because I don't think punks viewed them as punk.
1: Right. I don't think they were even on the radar at all whatsoever. Because also
0: like at the time frame, I mean, I think 95, um, I believe that's the year, they're in the It's Pat movie, which is also a movie that did. You said that and I... Yeah,
1: that movie is extremely inappropriate. I don't think I ever saw that movie. I've seen it twice. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> I watched it once as a kid, and it was just, the, it was just like the skit. Yeah, you know? yeah. And then I watched it again a couple years ago. Yeah. And I was like, it's like I knew going into it it wasn't going to age well, but it was like you had no idea
1: well. how like bad it was, was like be. I was kind
0: of hoping in a way that it's like I think that there's almost. We don't need it, Pat. In twenty twenty two, obviously, but like I was like I was kind of hoping going back, like there almost would have been like a I could have placed it at the time, and also maybe the jokes were smarter than just yeah, maybe it was obvious. like
1: bringing awareness in a comedic way. Kind yeah, of, but, it but it wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> it was just completely punching down. It's a there is still some punching down humor coming out there, especially with like the transphobia and all of that going yeah. on, but. I feel like specifically in the 90s that whole punching down humor cuz you this is like Jerry Springer and all of that stuff is going on around the same time like we were garbage people we <sighs> still are but we were really garbage people then we just liked filth just awful punching like I don't I can't even think of a good example I mean even Jeff Foxworthy was kind of punching down humor you know like and he was so milk toast yeah he's was he was like so he was pretty easy
0: rated but you know like I mean
1: it had that feeling to it though where it was making fun of other people
0: the specific scene in its pat though that they're in um it's like Pat is at the a ween show and then <laughs> which is like, so
1: weird how did that
0: I don't know how did
1: that come I want to know like who pitched that idea how that came to be
0: I don't know that's what's crazy like there's comedy movies around this time frame where it's like Mud Honey is in Black Sheep.
1: I do remember that. And that was yeah. amazing.
0: And that's like crazy. They were like giving these bands these opportunities, like writing them into it. And they're never like technically good scenes. You know, it was like, I think, think of Black Sheep, it was like a rock the vote kind of scene. It, yeah. m-
1: maybe it's just the whole like grunge era, you know, alternative music. And it's probably just movie studios being like, get some band in here. To, I guess appeal to the maybe it kids. still kind
0: of happens because, like, in the new Jackass movie, Machine Gun Kelly's in it. So is that the, is that the analog to that? Is that the right uh, phrase? I don't is know. That the correlation to this time frame maybe. Is, is Machine Gun Kelly. The that's true. There's I'm probably not still awful
1: trash stuff happening, and I just don't pay attention to it.
0: Pop culture wise, yeah. I don't even think they would have been. Ween would have been that. No, big. that's the weird thing. I'm like. How big was Ween at this point? But they're in an SNL movie.
1: I feel like Chocolate and Cheese was like... Yeah. I remember that being kind of a big thing.
0: Which is wild because... The teens. This, I mean, Pure Guava is a weird record. Super weird. Almost in a way, I feel like Chocolate and Cheese is weirder. Because it's (laughs) better produced. Yeah. So all the weird stuff kind of sticks out more. Yeah. And it also feels so much more annoying because of it. Yeah. And I say that as someone that I like ween.
1: Yeah. But no, when I,
0: I listen to chocolate and cheese.
1: I think I have a soft spot for pure guava over chocolate and cheese. It's like sure. I can't
0: let things I can almost let really everything in pure guava kinda of wash over me more than chocolate right. and cheese because what happens in chocolate cheese and almost chocolate and cheese, it feels like everything becomes like a writing exercise. Yeah. And they're big on that. Yeah. You know, like you were saying, like, oh, it's like their Prince song, you know? Like, oh, yeah. It's kind of a fun thing to into. listen to
1: their songs and try and determine what, what they
0: were trying to mimic. Of a quick detour. So that, it's Pat's scene. So Pat is at the concert, <laughs> and uh, they both go up to, like, the whole band goes up to her, like, uh, you know, Dean and Jean and I think all the other people that yeah. were in the band. Um, and they're like, hey, Pat, do you want a mushroom? Yeah, and then she's like, and then she eats one, or they—I don't know. Fucking Pat eats one, (laughs) you know. Uh, Pat eats one, and it's like tripping out, and you're like, "There's a purple polka dotted monkey on the end of my nose." And then Weena's like, "What? We got these from uh, Safe, uh, Safeway, like Safeway." Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: And that's like the whole joke, and then that's that's it. it. That's the
1: entire joke.
0: There's like another kind of scene where Pat's at the concert, and uh, Pat gets like. Uh, somehow Pat gets, like, unclothed. You know, like, gets their clothes taken off.
1: Right, naturally. Because that's and, a thing that happens. And then so
0: everyone knows, right. but the movie doesn't tell you. Like, what? You know? And so that's the whole thing. But just to think of, like, they were, like, that much of a pop culture thing. Right. They would have been in... I mean, I, I mean, I don't know what it's got
1: to be. It's got to be the the fish druggy connection. It's got to be. And I was thinking about like how how pure guava launched them to get produced. You know what I mean? Like yeah. How did a record label hear that and think? You know what? These guys, these guys are going somewhere. Yeah, I mean, I
0: guess it still was. Uh, well, cause what year? Just the one, was it 91 that Nirvana record hits? This is where I always get my, well, because.
1: I thought it came out in 89.
0: Well, Bleach came out in yeah. 89. So then 91 is. Oh, or, or, this is I where think I, it is
1: 91. I think it yeah. is. I
0: know anyone's like screaming about we can't get our Nirvana years right. But Nirvana is never the band that I first grabbed for. So sometimes no. like the the kind of getting the years right on these things, like. Okay, so Nevermind came out in 91. We were right. In Utero came out in 93. Okay. So, with Pure Guava, I feel like labels would have already been like, we got to find the next Nirvana.
1: Weird thing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because they never expected... I think this was just a time frame that... You know, like all the kind of rock books talk about it, you know? like Right, right. But it's like almost every band that kind of had any sort of following were getting signed because it could potentially be the next Nirvana. And most of them didn't pan out, but Ween kind of did.
1: Yeah, like, yeah. Like Ween did. God, there was a... I watched a whole documentary about it, and I'm not going to remember. I've seen it referenced in a lot of documentaries, talking to bands that got big kind of around then, just... Even just small hardcore punk bands that just got because record labels were just like sign any anything yeah. that is not the norm, sign them and it and a lot of them didn't continue to make it, but we somehow had that longevity. But you can't like what is their musical style? You can't peg it down. like how would you describe them to know. someone like I guess what like, is their genre?
0: I wonder though, it's like because they do those kind of writing exercises, potentially, as pitching singles. Yeah. Um do they give you the ability to pitch a different type of genre? Almost <laughs> because they go through so many different genres even especially more so. I mean, really on this record too, but even more so on Chocolate and Cheese. Yeah. Yeah. You know. But okay, so kind of going back to something you mentioned because like I said with Pure Guava, I feel like a lot of the content of it can kind of wash over me. Yeah. And like I've you know, anyone listening has known. I've talked about like lyrics aren't the first thing that can hit. Same. And so um, what are they talking about on this record?
1: I don't know. I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I I learned a little bit about some of the Quebec songs. Mm-hmm. I tried to dig into it. I, I found the least amount of stuff written up about pure guava I well feel pure like.
0: guava is the record that i feel like it's like the one before the yeah breakup. yeah so it's like it, I, it is almost the one that well people like you and me might push pure guava as our favorite because it's kind of the got a it's a nostalgia more but, it's yeah.
1: nostalgia for me but yeah it's, you know yeah i feel and i i was thinking about how you were saying you it washes over you more easily than um, chocolate and cheese. And I really think it's a production thing. Yeah. I think this type of like these types of songs sound better in that kind of lo-fi way. Mm -hmm. And when you start overproducing them, it's just, it's less, it's less like you're experiencing art happening and more like it's kind of being shoved at you. And it's not, it's, it's just doesn't feel the same.
0: Yeah, it's like whenever you kind of give any of these bands like more money, they kind of just become rock bands, and just the sense that they were probably originally pushing against. But yeah, at heart, they're still rock dudes. So I <laughs> feel like at once that they got millions of dollars, however much it was, you know, uh, that's gonna come out. Like Do you think
1: they got millions?
0: I, I at this time, millions. I know. Okay, I know for like Guided by Voices, for like Alien Lanes. It's like they they say they spent like I don't know whatever number is given like five thousand dollars. They're like, no, we spent like fifty. Yeah, yeah. they're like basically any we didn't spend really anything. Yeah, we had to buy the tapes for like their tape machine. Yeah, but other than that, it's like it's just all the, the the. You know the label
1: yeah
0: and whoever like paid to master so it's like the record itself to make didn't like cost anything yeah and i think this record you know pure guava kind of fits into that because you know it's like it probably costs a lot for marketing after that point but it's it still was essentially done by them because on that weenology (laughs) documentary Weenology one on one. If you're like we need to, we need
1: to figure out who who did it so you can plug them.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, it's I mean it's on YouTube so just like yeah search check out Weenology. Weenology. It's
1: it's very insightful.
0: Um, the guy talks about like and I think like Wikipedia says this too. But a lot of what this record was was kind of like tapes that they had already given to friends. Yeah. And so they just kind of cobbled it together into a record. Yeah. You know. Uh, they were just, like, recording kind of, like, mixtapes and kind of, like, weird noises and things yeah. and kind of, like, making their own little... And they were thing.
1: still in, like, high school, right? They're totally... That's what it is. That's the allure. They were the they were the people I would have been friends with in so, high
0: school. So, actually, what it says online is many of the songs in this album come from at least two tapes that the band made for Friends, including one titled Spring Tape and the Caprice Classic Tape. So... <laughs> That's what they said in 1993. Okay. And uh, so, okay, so <laughs> "Push the Little Daisies." It has a. Does so, including is... both the album and radio edit versions of the song, the latter replacing the word "shit" with a sample of Prince squealing from Alphabet Street.
1: Really? So,
0: so I guess to cover up the them oh, saying that like for It's like the
1: whole, It's yeah.
0: Yeah. And they should have just
1: reversed it like they did that Tom Petty song. The,
0: yeah. <laughs> the song uh, Big Jim yeah. was inspired by a car dealer named James A. Lemons, who worked at the dealership owned by Dean Ween's father.
1: That's what I mean. I feel like all these songs are like little inside jokes for them.
0: Yeah, most definitely. Even in that, once again, uh, Weenology thing, where it's like the near the end of this super short documentary. Where they kind of show them playing and they're doing like the... I mean, it doesn't help for a podcast, but they're doing the swaying (laughs) back and forth. Currently, Josh
1: is swaying.
0: Yeah, (laughs) It's just that kind of like caricature version of how people rock out at shows. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, and I know... Yeah. They have one song on Quebec. I think it's Chocolate Mountain, which is like one of my favorites lately. Um, Apparently it's about one of the members going to Newark to score Newark to score drugs and it sounds nothing like what you like that paints a picture for what you think a song would sound like and it's just this really beautiful like driving down the street it's so pretty out song it's not driving to Newark to score drugs
0: I'm uh, so it's just like looking at these well so track 14 is Touch My Tutor (laughs) and um there, okay, so there was a just nineteen tracks. There's nineteen That's songs. That's insane. On. This is a fifty-five minute long album, and I gotta say, like, I mean, that was normal for the time, and that would have been the reason why I would have bought the CD. Because as a kid, I feel like I always flipped over a CD, and then I'm like, bang for the buck. I look right, and I'm like ten tracks, nineteen tracks.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Then I'm picking up yeah. this one. So, I. I don't know why I didn't pick this up. (laughs) Like, it's like it has that many tracks on it. Like, I would have wanted that, you know. But, like, when I'm listening to it now, that's also what starts grading on me is, like, it's too long of an
1: album. Right? And I I don't know if that's, like, an an attention span thing for how our brains work now. But, yeah, I, I listened to this album in preparation for coming here. And I found myself, like, towards the end, just kind of, like, going through the songs. Like, okay, yep, that's what that one is. Okay, yep, that's yeah. what that... Just so I could know the titles. Like, I couldn't even keep on listening to it because it's just, like, it's too long. It's, yeah. like, it's one of those albums that it's good to, like, throw a song or two on a playlist. And that's Yeah, that's good. why
0: I liked... I really... My favorite release of theirs is the playlist that Kyle... <laughs> You know, because it's like it gives you a good mix of it because I love then you this get playlist though i I don't well i I change Spotify accounts uh, so i I need to just get it back from did it
1: have the country songs it
0: had the country songs and I love the songs, but it's so also good. like anytime I've tried to listen to the full country album, it's a little much
1: no, but it has like that's I feel like every single one of their albums is like. It has, like, at least three really good songs mm-hmm. that makes the entire album redeemable for me for some yeah, reason. For it sure. makes me think fondly of it. But then I listen to it and find myself like, oh, uh, no, I don't want to do If this was
0: a—I was going to say 10 songs. But if—honestly, if this was, like, a 12-song album, <laughs> it would be way better in my book. Like, I feel like it would be— not that they need help. Like that's a huge record. Chocolate and Cheese is a huge record, but it's like right. personally, I feel like it. What I would want to go back to it. Yeah. You know, and so like instead of just being like, oh, I'll just put on like Ween radio.
1: You need to listen to Quebec.
0: Do you that's feel like best it one. does? In do you feel like it's more of a concise yep. record?
1: Yeah, and it ends well, and it just it's like it's got a good beginning to end. I'm not. I am not an album listener. Like it's. I can't listen. That's probably another reason I like Ween or gravitated towards bands like Ween. I don't like listening to the same kind of music over and over and over again for an entire album. I have to really like the album. Um, Quebec is a little bit more cohesive than these albums. It's less like you so know. you
0: think it helped with them kind of like almost shifting genres and shifting the way they sang? They like still almost...
1: did it. I mean, their first song on Quebec is a total Motorhead
0: yeah, <laughs> ripoff,
1: yeah. but it's done so well. And it's I a good I did listen start. to that
0: song and I was like, that is a, it is a spot on.
1: If, if someone Motorhead played song. that for you and just was like, this is a Motorhead, you know, it was never released. Would you not be like, oh yeah, that's I would
0: just buy it because yeah. it's like Motorhead has kind of silly songs. I mean, yeah just like the dumb dumbest song yeah you know? like they have some serious songs about like world war ii but they also <laughs> uh, world war one um, are just yeah something yeah. about amphetamine or something you know um so that's probably 99 like
1: percent <laughs> of their stuff is yeah. about amphetamines
0: yeah so but that that's like a strange thing like i don't feel like when i'm writing music i can't point to something and then completely land there
1: no <laughs> i don't think anybody can
0: they can. But they can. They and that's can. why
1: it drives me insane. Yeah.
0: I've had friends that can. Like, I feel like a lot of people that, well, maybe they're just good good guitar players. But, like, some metal friends of mine or, like, people that are, like, really into, like, heavier music yeah. seem to, like, spend more time kind of, like thinking about what amps people play and then kind of like tone and things the like
1: technicalities, that. the and technicality. Stuff. Yeah. And so they
0: probably also with that learn like, Oh, this scale, these scales make Man. this kind of thing. Cause they, like on that vice thing, it's like, he knows kind of what scales make up a almond Brothers song or he right. knows what scales he make can up like break a, it down. Cause whenever they're recording chocolate and cheese, one of the other things he talks about, like they were looking in this book, there was like a book of like Stevie wonder songs. <sighs> And so they were like, I can't remember what song it was, but there was a chord in it. And I'm just going to say it was like A minor to the 13th or something. That wasn't (laughs) what it was. But like, it ended up being the whole riff of it was, you know, they wanted to put, because Andrew Weiss was like, you guys only put two parts in all of your songs. Like, so put a third part. Yeah. And so to kind of fuck with them, they were like, let's just find the most obscure chord that kind of works with it. And it ended up being essentially the Stevie Wonder chord. And the way that they played it, though, was uh, it was kind of suggested that you just hang your thumb over the guitar. And then the guy on the video was like, couldn't you just put your finger and bar it? And he goes, no, you have to do the thumb hanging over to make this specific chord. And, like, Dean thought it was, like, the funniest thing ever. <laughs> was like, still, it's like he's, like, 50-something now. Oh, my gosh.
1: They're probably, I don't know, they're probably, I wonder... I wonder. I, text, super annoying. I, I
0: texted you and was like, uh, ween is just the most annoying people you exactly. know. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Kind of like, you know? And it's like, I mean, I'm, I'm in a band like that. So I, I understand what it's I'm like.
1: probably that person. You know,
0: but like, and I'm not, yeah. So I'm not saying it is like really the worst thing. It's just a fact.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know,
0: And I don't know. That's, I don't know what it, I guess going back to what we were talking about at the beginning, like, I don't know what was going on To make society this way at this point. Yeah. You know, was it the, was it just, historically, was it actually just coming out of the Reagan years that just made everyone, like, fucked up? And are we going to do that again after coming out of, like, Trump, you know? Like, are we back? I don't think there? we need to
1: go into that territory. Well, I think I'll make like, this podcast really just too
0: sad, real fast. Well, maybe it'll be a slightly different version, and maybe we are we are. Maybe do we'll
1: it. all be dead.
0: <laughs> maybe, but I'm like, humor was just so like, not even on like a problematic level. It was so fucked up and just like, okay, they're like mascot being boognish. <laughs> So it's like, that's like almost a riff on Descendants. Like the and an roy kind of thing. Yeah. It's like people were obsessed with mascots at this point in rock. But I guess also, you know, like we were talking about earlier, all of their, the rock bands they grew up liking or some of them had a mascot.
1: That's what I'm thinking. And (laughs) these mascots, like both of the ones you just, the Boognish and and Descendants, they're like anti-mascot mascots. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: I guess I can't answer my own question. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And also, yeah, coming out of the Reagan years was awful and just, I don't everything felt, I don't, I can't say that. I was like five. Well, yeah. Everything felt to me like, um, no, I just, looking back, when you look back on the late 80s, like mid to late 80s, I think it was just getting over just everything just. Everything, just so much. Um, I just keep on thinking of like hair metal, just like going to yeah. that level, just like, just as excessive as you possibly can.
0: Yeah, um, but I don't even it's like what's crazy about thinking about that era of music or before this point, like those people that kind of like bought into that rock system. Yeah, I don't even I don't even feel like a lot of times they liked it. You know, I don't it's think like so. The, um, what's Warrant? Is that the Cherry Pie band? Because uh, essentially there's this video. I think so. Um, yeah, it's Warrant. So the guy, there's this like behind the music kind of thing. Yeah. Where they talk to the singer of the band and he's like, we had a different idea of like what we wanted the record to be like. And they were like, you need to write one more. You need to write a hit.
1: Yeah. Or we're
0: not putting this record out. So he's like, fuck it. And he wrote Cherry Pie.
1: Like probably in just a...
0: It was like the quickest song he said yeah. he ever wrote. And then he was like, it fucking sucked because then after that, everything was cherry pie. The yeah. record was called Cherry Pie. There's the cherry pie on it and everyone calls me... It's a funny video, but it's also really sad. Yeah. And he's like, I'm just cherry pie guy. You know, people that just would... point at you and they're a cherry pie guy. And the guy ended up like killed himself. Really? Yeah. The singer of Warrant.
1: So it's like, would you do that? If you could, if you would know in one of your bands that you could have one hit be like the hit, but that's, that's it. That's all you get. Would you do it?
0: Well, I think at this time, like you wouldn't have expected that you're going to get another chance, you know? But I think that like when you look at someone like Ween, they're already on the other side of those stories, yeah. you know? And I feel like it's like grunge kind of allowed for this disillusionment
1: well because it wasn't yeah you weren't even really trying for that it was like the antithesis of trying for that
0: but then still the major label system still like kind of tried to make them into that yeah yeah which is like even with chocolate and cheese i feel like it's it's like they had a different theme for like what the record was going to look like yeah and then the record just look yeah. at the cover.
1: It's, like, yeah. super obvious.
0: Yeah, it's like a penthouse pet Yeah, on the cover, I mean,
1: so. and if you look at that, it like, the difference of that album cover compared to all the rest of them, it's just, like, it stands out so much for that. Not, I mean, obviously, because it's, like, tits. But, <laughs> like, um, just, it doesn't fit, you know? It just, I don't know.
0: Do you feel, I don't know if you kind of remember... And also, that might have been another reason why I feel like I never was able to like pick it up because there would have been no world why I would have been able to have chocolate yeah. and cheese in my house. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Like, you know, like my I parents would have. I did get it. You so you know just had how, it on CD. Yeah,
1: I had it, and I don't. I guess it just
0: wasn't. I don't think your parents weren't strict in that way. I don't. Think.
1: Kind. They. They're pretty. My parents are pretty normal about like I'd say they were pretty like in the middle with that stuff, and I, I had a I had two older siblings, that. Um, I mean, my sister dated guys that were into, like, Green Day and Mudhoney and all that stuff in the mid-80s. So they were
0: potentially already, like, They were already kind of so,
1: desensitized by the time I came around, so. I think
0: if I, as a parent, uh, if I heard my kid listening to something that sounded like ween, you know, like, just kind of thinking about, like, how my dad would work, like, I was able to kind of trick him into me listening to heavier bands because when I brought home, like, Christian ska bands, it was yeah. all just, like, clown music to him. And so, like, after wean, I guess, in the same way, it's like your parents are just like, I don't fucking, it doesn't matter. She's fine. It's just, she's doing this thing, you know. So then they probably wouldn't even have given a shit about, like, you know, chocolate and cheese at that point.
1: Um, I also grew up in a house that, like, it's interesting. um, My husband and I were talking about this. Well, Evan, you know him, but. Yeah. I don't know. All of your many listeners might not. Um, just the difference of growing up, um, you know, his parents didn't really have a lot of art. Like, I grew up in a house that had a lot of art book, like, fine art books around, and they. my parents would listen to a lot of music, like, a lot of classical music and jazz. Like, God, we listened to Winton Marsalis all the freaking time. And just, they listened to a lot of stuff. So both of my parents are always pretty open to, like, give something a chance from an artist perspective kind of not that they're artists but they just were I don't know they just were more receptive to that like I remember my brother was into Primus
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> and my mom heard it and she was like that guy is he's really like he's he's very um he like orchestrates songs like she was blown away <laughs> by how Primus yeah. wrote songs and it was just I don't know at the time. I thought it was funny, but looking back, that was kind of, it was kind of interesting that they were always willing to give it a shot.
0: Yeah, I mean, we didn't even really bring up, Primus is really like on a similar trip, obviously, with that, just like, just the weird voices (laughs) and kind of like, I don't know. It was
1: less, it was less playful though. It was too dark. It was too, it was too over the line for me. It was too much in the territory. I needed it to be like still kind of a, an okay, we're just being funny, right? Yeah. Primus is just like, were and you... then then you go down like to Tool, and then it's just no, like yeah, no, yeah. there's no fun. That's what to that's do? terrifying.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um Were you ever listening to like Red Hot Chili Peppers or anything? No. Because I'm trying. To I think mean, about... I did
1: just because of the time, yeah. but I never had like Red Hot Chili Peppers. The
0: They're United also States. a weird band that I feel like <laughs> kind of like mentally have kind of changed from like how we view them as to like kind of what they were viewed as at the time really before pure guava but there was a point in the early 80s like they were just like a punk band yeah and it's such a strange thing like even outside of them like how big of a whole (laughs) kind of (laughs) funk had on punk at the time yeah you know i mean which doesn't technically really i mean it doesn't really show itself in Ween, but it's like somehow i feel like it fits and i just can't think of how it
1: was kind of like Honestly, a lot of white guys just—I mean, isn't that a tale as old as time?
0: Yeah, trying
1: they, to trying to mimic.
0: <laughs> yeah, he was talking about uh, in one of that that same guitar video where he was like, Dean was like, you know, it's Allman Brothers, or if I need like a sad solo, then it's Parliament. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and just like the kind of juxtaposition, it's probably somewhere in between. Like when they when they kind of pull from their rock, yeah, things it's Parliament and
1: that's so interesting to me <laughs> right writing music in that way it's just I don't know it's just different it's kind of what you were saying earlier like like you have metal friends that know all the chords and all of that stuff and and can pull from it that way and I don't know I that's just not how I do it at all
0: but do you I guess like getting into like your own music do you feel like well like since you learn piano in like a classical sense Do you feel like you have that ability to kind of pick out what kind of scales go into songs or on a creative level or is is it almost two separate things?
1: So on piano, I can definitely like piece together chords and just like I can easily sit at a piano and just play. Like I don't have to really think about it. I just play. Um, I specifically wanted to learn another instrument and not learn any of the theory behind it because i just feel like for for me at least writing wise it just kind of boxes me in Mm -hmm. to know like well if i go from this chord to this chord and then it's just not trying to do something it's hard to try to do something completely different i'm not saying anything (laughs) i write is like anything completely different but it's hard to um think outside the box if you're if you're in it at all and just coming at it completely naively was just enticing to me
0: yeah it's interesting I guess like even thinking about Ween, that they're able to from obviously being guys that seem to know yeah it's a, when
1: you said that that surprised me I, I really would have pegged them for kind of just learning their instruments on there you know not like Having that much of knowledge of it, so now I'm just even more impressed that they're able to make songs that sound outside of the box when they know, you
0: they know, know what the box is. Yeah,
1: you they're know, like, fully. They know all the corners.
0: I almost feel like the more, and this is this is almost a false statement I'm about to say. <laughs> like I know there's not <laughs> truth to, it, but I felt like the more I learn as a musician, the more it it feels like it's harder to write songs. Now. Right. And like, but when I first started picking up bass and I was like writing early late bloomer songs, I could barely play bass. Yeah. And like the sky was the limit. Yep. <laughs> you know, chord changes, you yep. know, key changes would be damned. I didn't know. It didn't matter because really you didn't know. know. I knew kind of when it sounded like it was in key. Yeah. But I didn't really, it's like on a bass, you just slide it up. Yeah. Oh, I'm in a different key. I don't know. But now it's like, I kind of know that you don't do those things. And so it almost makes me feel like I have to stay more standard. Because I know, like, the box exists.
1: What do you mean you don't have to, you're not supposed to do those things? Well,
0: it's, I mean, I don't know that much, so it's not keeping me too confined. But I feel like knowing more kind of limits me. It's
1: like letting, it's kind of like letting your ego get in the way a little bit. Like, it's it's once you know, it's like, it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. Like, if you're just, your first, your first songs you write your first ep or or album or whatever is is maybe for a lot of musicians like going to be your it could be your most creative like creatively free stuff that you ever write because like you're not trying to prove yourself necessarily maybe you're just like trying and then if that gets any sort of recognition and any or just notice that's when like i feel like your ego starts to get in the way Mm. and you're like I got to take this more seriously. It's kind of like, I guess playing an instrument and learning more about how to play it is the, the that's like that version of that.
0: Yeah. I, I start getting this thing where I'm like, Oh, I feel like I've kind of written this song. Yeah. And it's like, but sometimes I will, sometimes if I'm lucky, I will kind of force myself to go. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And then I just kind of push through it. But then that voice is still there and I didn't, it's like I didn't write songs, so I mean I feel like this probably was the same thing. Like as they even as Ween became, yeah, like a, you know, because it's like you can't keep making pure guava. Pure guava is like an experiment, so you can't you can't really fake it, I guess. Yeah, you know? and it
1: and it it kind of makes me wonder, like if if everybody, if I mean, are we infinitely creative, like in our brains? You know what I mean? Like there's got to be a point where you just are like. That's all my tricks. That's all I have. Like this chord, pro- like these versions of chord progressions or whatever. That must just be how how my brain works, and I can't really go beyond this. And it could be, you know, a huge, you know, bunch of variables or not a lot.
0: I don't know. Yeah, but it's crazy. Even though, um, you know, like when in that same guitar video that I keep talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Where he talking about, this, no, he was like, no one's figured out that I just keep doing the same solos. Yeah. Then I'm like, I can't, I mean, one, I can't do those solos. Yeah. And two, I mean, I didn't hear it. Like, it's like that yeah. even within what he feels is a confine, there's so many different possibilities. He's, he's essentially talking, let's say it's like 10 notes. The combination of the 10 notes is like... What
1: is that? 10 factorial?
0: <laughs> whatever it is mathematically. <laughs> but that's a lot of options, you know? Yeah. So even at the thing, it's like, if you're like, oh, GCD. Yeah. You know, and they're like, oh, I guess I'll write a song DCG. That's two songs. Yeah. You know, so those three chords and then, you're like, oh, I learned a minor. So I guess I'll throw that into, yeah. you know? And then it's like... But that's talking, what I'm saying. Yeah. Then you get
1: to that point where you're like, I only write the same stuff, but it that's only to you maybe. That's your ego.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's a tough thing. Well, so I guess since I'm on a podcast and I make great transitions. um, What a segue. Do you you feel like, did you have any of that speaking to you while working on the most, well, the Faye record that will be out by the time we put up this record?
1: Yep. Um, My ego getting in the way. It definitely, it, it was, it's yes, very much so like. Sarah and I worked on the EP and um, she and I both decided to just try instruments that we didn't know and just do this thing and, and wrote these songs that probably were sitting within us for a little while that just kind of all came out. And then, then we got that thing happen where like we got on a label and like all of these things started happening and falling into place. And then it was like, Oh my gosh, we need to kind of do this for real. And then it, it did slow down writing a little bit, you know, just like what, what, what do we want to sound like? What do we really want to do? Um, So this album is a little bit darker and we really spent a little more time with thinking about transitions and just really crafting the songs a little more and really giving it more thought. Um, That's not why it took so long, (laughs) but it's one of the factors.
0: Yeah. And so Do you think that, does Wayne like have any influence on like how you think about songwriting at all?
1: Uh, Not directly, but yes. I love dissonance. I love when stuff, that's kind of why I push back when you're like, well, I'm not supposed to do that. I love when something sounds wrong and it's done on purpose. I just think that and i don't even have the guts to pull it off to the level like i wish i could but especially when you have a song that has one note that sounds just way wrong but then the rest of the notes kind of come to meet it and it just sounds perfect and it's just mm-hmm. this it's like ah it's just so cathartic when that happens and they do a lot of stuff that's just purposefully wrong mm-hmm. you know just the notes sound wrong or The levels sound weird and like that's why I was kinda asking earlier about Pure Guava, if you think it was just that was the take they had and they ran with it. Or did they purposefully try and like just add those little mistakes in and just
0: I don't know. I think it's almost a mix of both. I think it's like It's
1: endearing when it's like that. It you you feel the realness of it.
0: It's like, what did we we might have fucked up that track, but then kind of what else can we throw on to, like, fuck it up more? I feel yeah. Like, a lot like of if like... you're going
1: to do it, do it for real.
0: Yeah, Well, once again, this video that i Watch this. this I'm going to watch video. this video. He talks about that a lot. There's so not going to watch, watch like it, Pat. There's no, don't watch <laughs> it, Pat. Uh, there is so much I feel like he's, like, speaking to. He also talks about this story where he said that right around the... It was, like, 95. So chocolate and cheese had already came out. But yeah. for some reason, he was like, oh, I should teach guitar. And he said he taught one lesson to like a kid, and then he said only guitar lesson he ever got was essentially it's it's kind of inappropriate, but um, he was like he was like the teacher was essentially like you either need to you need to choose where you wear your guitar, and that's the most of the thing you need to learn. You need, you need to learn it. You need to wear it below your dick or above your dick. <laughs> what? <laughs> that's what Dean Wayne told this guy. But he Which said, did
1: he choose?
0: He he said uh, he says he does above. You know, but he's like, you so got to do... Like the
1: low... That feels like more of where you...
0: <laughs> but you he was crab, like, crab, crab. he was talking about like, you know, like he's like as a kid, one of the ways that he learned how to play guitar was from like Led Zeppelin bootlegs. Okay. And he said it's like the best way to learn. Because they were talking about if you, he's like 50% of the time, if you go from like playing your chord to like going into a solo.
1: Yeah.
0: So 50% of the time, you're going to be wrong. But can you make wrong right? Right. Yeah. Yes. And he talks about how there's so many like kind of bootleg Led Zeppelin things where he says Jimmy Page like on record is like one of the best players ever, but live he's like really sloppy. And he I talks like that about, though. I like yeah, when it... He talks about where he like, he'll do a scale, he'll kind of like bend too much and then he's out of it. But then he kind of does this Jimmy Page thing where he kind of comes back in just right. Where yeah. everything's fucked up in between and then he's like you know, back in and then you're like, oh, it's right. Right. Yeah. And
1: you don't know if it was ever like if it was done on purpose. It's a, it's a very like, it's like, you know, it's like listening to jazz musicians play when they can um, just have sessions where they just go off and they somehow all find their way. Like we saw that high pulp. We, we watched high pulp play Mm -hmm. um, recently and watching them. I spent, I felt like I spent the whole time watching them trying to see like, how much of this is practiced and like, or you guys just like, now it's your turn to go off and just go off into space, but just come back to this key, you know, around this time and give us a nod.
0: Like, yeah. I mean, I think that that's like a neat way to kind of like write songs and I guess a compliment to Faye. I feel like, you all are very good at, like, kind of doing that noise thing and just kind of coming back in on the same, like, well, come in on the one, you know?
1: Yeah. You know, like, that
0: was a, there was, like, an interview with uh, someone from Parliament, actually. Yeah. And, uh... We get compared Boots, Actually, Bootsy Collins <laughs> was, like, you know, like, James Brown would always tell him, like, when he played with him, he said, yeah. like, whatever you do, come back on on the one. You know, you can do almost anything, but you got to be right on the one, or he, yeah. he would, like, find them. Yeah. You know? and you know so like that's like an important thing so I think there's almost times where I feel like when you're watching Faye it's like maybe it kind of in the progression you know guitar wise or bass wise That's like but it always feels like it comes back in on the one you know
1: yeah that's uh, on purpose
0: yeah, yeah I mean I'm, I'm, I'm used to that kind of thing a lot too I mean I know a lot of probably uh, musicians are yeah but yeah doing the wrong thing on purpose or even no not it's not purpose. always on purpose. <laughs> But I think that's a fun way to be, even if it's not on purpose. You yeah. Know? So like, yeah. Ultimately,
1: it's, I mean, I, it's supposed to be just creating, you know, and having fun doing it and doing it with fun people.
0: Yeah. I, like, what's interesting is I feel like when I see people on stage and if they, like, make a mistake or they kind of, like, hit a note that's not right, those are my favorite moments. Yeah. But when I feel like I'm sitting down writing my own music... Yeah. Then I'm like,
1: Ugh. yeah. It's
0: like it's like, but that's what I love, and that's what I love in Ween. That's what I love when I hear it. Yeah. In little glimpses in Faye, because you know Faye isn't Ween, obviously. But you know, it's like I love those moments. You know, in live settings.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. And yeah. And even on 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 albums and recordings, that one there's. I mean, Ween is chock full of it, but there are plenty of other albums where you do hear just something that you're like. I bet they didn't originally want that in there and someone convinced them to keep that little whatever it is, like a, a breath or yeah. whatever it is that just happens like or a little bit offbeat, you know, just something happens that just makes it more magical somehow.
0: Yeah, I feel like uh, my conversations for the past almost month have like gotten back right to this point where I'm talking about essentially, I guess the thesis almost is <laughs> I kind of hate click tracks. Yeah. You know, but I get them. I -hmm. get why we should do them and I get why we should aim for it. But I also think that so much of the allure of this era of music is so not to a click. Or even if it's like to a drum machine, it's like everything else is fucked up around it. Right. And I feel like everything is almost like to a click or it's quantized, I guess is the thing. Because it's like there are a lot of times where it's like the drums might be. With being a drum machine, it's probably all spot on. Everyone else is not spot on. Right. With it. And those are like those kind of human elements. Right. In albums like with, you know, Sonic Youth or whatever it is, like, are when things feel human.
1: Yeah. Know? And directly after this album, well, they did White Pepper. And that that is my least favorite album because it's the most, it feels the most produced and the most to the track and the most like serious and just. Just overproduced, basically, and it's just I. It's interesting. It's not for me. Any music that sounds like that, I just have learned it's not going to be something I'm interested in.
0: Well, I guess like before, I truly let you go. Uh, huh. Then I guess if you can tell people. Well, what are you here for today? You know, you're talking, we're talking about the new Faye record. The new Faye record. And so I guess I'm asking uh, if you want to promote and give.
1: Sure. Um, the new album is called You're Better. Um, it's going to be out everywhere August 12th. There's already two singles out that you can find on all, pretty much all streaming platforms. Um, we also have a band camp, um, Faye Band. That's our Instagram handle and Twitter handle. And that's usually... We're good about posting updates on there for upcoming shows or whatever. We're going to be, I think, touring in October for this album up the East Coast. So we're going to be announcing that pretty soon and just lots of stuff.
0: Yeah. And uh, you should have vinyl by then, but I know you'll have uh, CDs definitely on the release date and everything streaming. So uh, I've been fortunate that I've heard this record for <laughs> you know a good uh, period of time. Yes. You know, a and nice...
1: A nice long period of time (laughs) well you know it's just it comes
0: when it comes and there was there were reasons in the world why there is taken so lots
1: of reasons and if
0: anyone doesn't know vinyl plants um are like the slowest thing right now um and so a lot of it isn't really your your no uh
1: we finished recording um end of january and we were very excited about releasing this and then this little thing called covid hit and that kind of put a damper and now it's yeah the and, yeah, stuff.
0: once we kind of got everything in the pieces it needed to, I feel like we were pretty quick on that. Yeah. You know, um, and then, you know, kind of then you're in the vinyl. <laughs> yeah. You know, which is, you know, it's just every, everyone should know at this point.
1: I, I'm sure up. it's like, ha, it's like a broken record. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Welcome back. Thanks again to Susan for coming on the pod. It was great catching up, even though. See you every week. Please check out the new Faye album, You're Better. Pick up a copy direct from them and catch them on tour in October. Okay, next week we're talking with Danny Noguerus of the band No Win about Everclear's 1997 album So Much for the Afterglow. More on that next week. Once again, don't forget to check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com spinningoutpod. My co-host Sarah and I, we listen to records we liked a lot when we were younger and revisit them as much older and jaded individuals. You can subscribe for as little as $1 a month or more, and you'll get an exclusive episode every week. So don't miss out. Once again, follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram, at SpittingOutPod. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave a comment, and reviews definitely help. Thanks as always to Sarah Blumenthal for editing the pod and Pretty Matty for the theme. Okay, see you next week.